1: Well, the idea was is hey what if we use a podcast to get in front of our potential clients get them on for a podcast and then tell them about on fire reviews and that model has actually worked and get us a bunch of clients that way
0: have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought wow i really thought i'd be further ahead by now if so you are not alone i've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. What's going on, guys? This is Jamie Atkinson from the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement podcast. Today, I've got a very special guest. Um, He doesn't actually know this. I haven't told him this, but he's one of the guys that actually inspired me to pick up the microphone and start my podcast after months of deliberating. Everybody, I'd like to warmly introduce you to Bob Clark. Damn it. What's going on? That's (laughs) right. So, Bob, a lot of people in our space, in our industry, have been hearing a lot about you online. There's a lot of positive noise surrounding you right now. Do you want to just give yourself a, a real quick 10-second introduction? I know you do the 808 podcast and you're you know, the driving force with TC behind On Fire Reviews. What can uh, What's a little nugget that somebody can know about you and what you've been doing in the last couple of years?
1: Oh, basically the big, the big nugget right now is I'm focusing really hard on doing my own podcast. It's the 808 podcast. I interview business owners with uh, eight questions and six, I mean, six questions in eight minutes and eight seconds because 808 looks like Bob. And ever since I've been doing that, I've been really well known on the online community.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And just to, just to kind of cement the viewers into how quickly this has happened, because one of the big things that we're trying to do with this podcast is shed some light on the real truth behind entrepreneurship, right? I think everybody sometimes looks at people on these shows and thinks that they've been at this level for a long time. So how, how quickly has your rise to being Bob Clark, damn it, the kind of persona? How, how long did it take you to go from sort of not, nobody hearing of you to suddenly you're a bit more of an authority in the space? Six months. That's crazy, right? Six months? Yep. A- and how long have you been in the kind of space altogether?
1: Um, I've been in a space together with uh, On Fire Reviews for five years.
0: I'm brilliant. And I'm really curious because, you know, I've, I've met you in person and, you know, we've chatted about a few things. And because we were at, you know, this conference, it was all about what was going on there. But I don't actually really know a whole lot about your backstory and, and how you came to be involved with On Fire Reviews. Can you take us down that road?
1: Uh, sure. So basically a uh, long story short, I was um, probably in about 2007. I was basically being a bum, sleeping on couches, just kind of not really doing any things with life, you know, for various reasons I don't want to talk about here. Sure. Uh, one day I'm at a church group and someone comes up to me and says, sign this petition. You'll sign these three petitions. Why? Because I make money. Okay. That I, that was good enough for me. And then they said, excellent. I just made $3. So I'm processing in my head. I'm like, wait, if I had to do 10 of those an hour, which is you know one you know, one every six minutes that's pretty r- realistic, and I can make a lot of money doing that. So started to go I got my start in political consulting as a petition person. Uh, within uh, two uh, I'm sorry within two months I was basically a manager of half the state of Colorado, so I had about 500 employees under me, and from there I started becoming a political consultant.
0: Wow. So that just kind of came out the blue, right? So how do you go from just filling out these kind of forms to all of a sudden having 500 people out underneath you? How did that happen?
1: Um, Well, what happened was is the person who was my uh, supervisor is – back in 2008 when I started doing this, uh, yeah, some of the rules have changed, but certain petitions, you had to be – your voter registration and where you were living had to be very, very specific. And this, my supervisor didn't fill all the forms properly. So he lost you know, a lot of petition work and got fired because of it. So I decided, instead of saying, I want the job, I basically took over as a supervisor. Started telling people where to go and everything. And about two weeks in, I told my boss, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore unless you, you give me a raise. And he's him and in saying, you know, you put me under a, a barrel. I'm like, yeah, I did because you didn't find someone soon enough to do it. So totally okay with that. And then basically, it's, okay, you got the job.
0: Wow, that's crazy! And what happened after that? So you start you start working in this new field and and kind of going full ham. Yeah. I'm, then I started working for actual directly for politicians,
1: you know, here and there, basically working with you know them on getting things you know set up and everything. Basically, being a political consultant with my quote expertise. Basically, I found out I had a really good knack for it. Uh, around 2012, is I realized in that industry to get to the like you'll break through the glass ceiling, you have to be a raging jerk. And the problem was I wasn't rich. I wasn't a Kennedy, Bush, Clinton, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't have an Ivy League degree. So basically I got known for being the guy in the hat, but realized I started becoming a really miserable person. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I left that industry. And for On Fire Reviews, at the time, my two business partners had a B2B magazine for the local city B2B magazine. We had a fire that evacuated a quarter of the population. And basically for about six months, marketing stopped in our city. So their business went under. So we all got together. We were going to originally be an SEO company, but then the concept of On Fire Reviews, where we call a client's customers over the phone. And you'll basically we get video testimonials that build instant rapport and trust, address objections, and have your clients sell with you. And we do this all with a phone call. So we build concise testimonials with details that matter.
0: Wow. And where did the idea originally come from for On Fire Reviews?
1: Um, We had an SEO client who wouldn't give us content. He basically uh, – so, uh, so we decided we were going to call his clients over the phone and build blog content, uh, realized that we were so good in that uh, space, uh, the interview space, decided to become a testimonial company. And so then um, basically our current CEO, she lost the sale because we didn't do video. And so she called me up and said, hey, figure out how to film people without filming them. And you got 30 minutes. And so I came up with the idea on the spot.
0: Wow. That's kind of crazy, right? And, and obviously you guys are still doing that today, but the focus now for you especially is going more into the podcast space. So right. I mean, is there any kind of great stories you can think of of, of challenges that you, fo- you know, faced in those kind of last five years was on fire?
1: Um, client, uh, client acquisition, because the problem was, is it, it was set. It's such a new concept and it still is. No one understood it. Mm-hmm. So it's basically very now it's like, okay, for, for example, let's say I want to become a real estate agent. I could go to the big boy in town, take him out to dinner, pick his mind, and get a plan to basically become a good real estate agent. But oh, I couldn't do that with on fire reviews
0: because there was nobody doing it.
1: No one else, yeah, no one else was doing it.
0: so in terms of you know <laughs> some of the some of the bumps you had along the way. Can you think of anything that stands out that was kind of this crazy experience when you were kind of going through it? Or was it just really like a like a 9 to 5 that you guys were hustling through? How did it feel?
1: Well, more of a 9 to 9 instead of a 9 to 5.
0: <laughs> I feel you there. I think there's a lot of people listening that can probably be on the same wavelength. Yeah.
1: I think it came down to really um, – our biggest problem was we didn't know how to market it. And now that we know how to market it, things are doing much better. But that was a big thing, is, and I would strongly recommend anyone who goes into entrepreneurial space is try you know, try to find a, what everyone else is doing and find your good niche. But coming up with a crazy concept is a lot more work involved in it. Actually, Russell Brunson, since we both went to Funnel Hacking Live, he said the pioneers have a bunch of arrows in their back, mm-hmm. and I will say we have a bunch of arrows in our back with that.
0: Yeah. So that's tough, right? Because I know certainly I've spoken to a lot of people and they're, all the time they're like, I've got this crazy idea. It's going to be great. But the first question that any you know, seasoned marketer will ask them is, well, who's already doing it, right? Because they're the people that you can figure out whether the model is going to work or not. Right. So from, from there, you know, obviously you, you guys were pioneering that. You've, you've had all these errors in your back. You've gone down this road in this new journey. When was the point that you decided, all right, well, maybe a podcast is a good idea?
1: Well, the idea was is, hey, what if we use a podcast to get in front of our potential clients? Get them on for a podcast, and then tell them about On Fire Reviews. And that model has actually worked and get us a bunch of clients that way. And the one thing I wanted to make sure was, for me, I decided, well, if I want to talk to these guys, I want to use the least amount of time possible. So I'm like, so I'm going to do a short podcast and do kind of basically a you know Q and A format, quick recession of questions, and then be done and be able to talk to them. And so, cause my whole thing was that there's a lot of long form podcasts out there. I didn't want to compete in that space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing, right? It's sometimes better to chop up the content and, you know, give people little hits of <laughs> information that they can pick people's brains on to get that more, uh, it's just easier to access, right? People don't have time, right?
1: That, that, yeah. That's Yeah, that was the complete reason why I decided to do it so short. Actually, you might know, do you know who Akbar Sheikh is? Yes.
0: Yeah. Very well-known guy, huh?
1: Yeah. Very well-known guy. Told me he normally doesn't do podcasts, but he did mine because it was eight minutes and eight seconds.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, and he's a big player in the ClickFunnels space. He's got, you know, what, like seven Two Comic Club awards? Yeah, something
1: like that. He's got a lot of them.
0: So I'm really interested. You've been doing this podcast now. How many episodes have you put out so far, Bob?
1: Uh, somewhere about, let me go look the number here. Um, as of this recording episode 158 just came out and I've already recorded episode 170 today.
0: Wow. That's crazy. And you've literally been doing this less than six months for the podcast, right?
1: Yeah. Less than that's, six
0: months. That's almost a podcast today. Two a day. Wow. That's nuts. Right. On Monday
1: through Friday. It's basically, it's basically my goal is two a day Monday through Friday. I love that. I love that so much. Oh. And- and now here's the interesting thing, Jamie, and I actually, um, do you know who Brett Miller is?
0: I haven't heard of Brett Miller, though.
1: No. Okay, so he's a, basically, he's a big Facebook ad guy. His logo has a butt in it, and so he'll know <laughs> as the butt logo guy. Yeah. Uh, we were talking, and at the time we were talking, I had done 132 episodes, and he did 32 episodes for his podcast, and he even agreed, my 132 sounds more impressive, but I did the math, and he's actually he actually produced more content per episode, basically. He did about t- uh, 30 hours of content, where I did about 20.
0: Wow. That's interesting. So what do you feel like is the better, the better format? I I have a feeling you might say yours, but (laughs) I I
1: like mine there because the chances of me getting someone on for a short one is much higher. Mm -hmm. And it also gives me time afterwards to get to know them a little bit.
0: Yeah. And here's a here's a good question, um, because I've been thinking you've got this all of this exposure with these amazing people. And I know, you know, a big part of it for you is getting more people in the know about what you guys do with On Fire. But has there been anything that really stood out as a huge lesson that you've learned from interviewing these people?
1: Huge lesson is make sure they have the questions beforehand. That was a that was a big one that I learned on that part there. And also be willing to accept like one of the questions I have is drop the value bomb. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's where they spend three to five minutes to give some one-on-one business advice. And being able to tell people, if your value bomb isn't good, you don't get to be on. So I've actually had episodes where I've recorded and told the person, dude, this is not good. We're done.
0: Wow. Yeah. What did that do for relationships? Is that hard? Oh, that relationship
1: is done. But in the same thing I'm looking at is basically um, people know that my content is good content.
0: Yeah, it's important, right? Because you want to be making sure that you're putting out stuff that's valuable for your audience.
1: Right. Like I had this one lady and again, her whole setup was, um, we were recorded first off, she didn't mute her phone. And so all of a sudden we're in the middle of podcast and her phone keeps beeping repeatedly. And like one beep here and there, I don't really care about. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had it happen to me and it's not a big deal, but multiple beeps so I said, okay, we're going to need to start over and I made it very clear during the value bomb. It's not about selling. It's about, you know, giving advice. Mm-hmm. And she goes right into selling the value bomb. I stopped the podcast and said, "I just told you we had a conversation about this. You didn't listen. We're not a match."
0: Yeah, and that's fair, right? Because I think you're giving your platform to them to, you know, to really talk about what they do and and to really shine a light on them, right? When when people come right. on as guests in an interview, it's it's really good for them, right? It get, builds up their notoriety and their reputation and exposes them to more people. But if they, if they, I don't think if they're respectful to the host, then you're right that they shouldn't do that. So, yeah, here's a good question. If there's anybody listening to this right now who wants to start maybe a short-form content podcast, what's your kind of three tips, your value bomb that you want to drop on people right now about what they should do to, to do it the right way?
1: Okay, first things first, it's got to be under 10 minutes. That that that's important there. And actually I prefer around eight minutes. The reason being is that way if you wanna if you wanna advertise on LinkedIn, LinkedIn has it to where um I mean you post on LinkedIn is you can only do 10-minute videos on LinkedIn. So if you do an eight-minute podcast with an intro and an outro, you're gonna hit always that 10-minute mark. Second thing is find a make sure the number is unique. So for example, I'm talking to a lady right now and she's a public speaker. I mean she teaches people how to public speak. And so the idea being for her, as I told her, is make it – there's seven things that every speech needs to have. So it's got to be seven minutes, and then she also had something else I can't remember there. So I think it was like seven minutes and 20 seconds because that makes it to where people remember her more than just being another short-form podcast. Mm -hmm. Because if everyone does an eight-minute podcast, you don't stand out. That's why mine is eight minutes and eight seconds because 808 looks like Bob. And so that's, a, that's step number one. Step number two, um, five, five to six questions for like that amount of time is good. Um, generally, I would say make your five, pick five questions. One of the questions should be asking for um, leads. Other people should be on their podcast. So basically, the way I say it is outside your company, who are the humans who have had the most impact on it? They'd be honored to be on my podcast. And then basically, you know, get people to talk about other people, which helps build that social proof part of it there. And then this, have another question. It's a random question that you decide what is your style going to be, okay? And then the third thing is build your WWE character. You need to be a character on a podcast to make it really work. So, for example, for mine is basically I'm William Shatner on cocaine. So when I talk to you, Jamie, I talk like this the entire time. How are you, Jamie? How are you doing today? You know, I have a different style of it.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. But you're right, because you kind of embody this persona of a character. And when you're playing your character, you can be a lot more exuberant and loud and, you know, different. And that's okay. And you don't really judge yourself for being that character.
1: Right. Now, the downside is that people expect you, if they see you in person at conventions, they expect me to be Bob Clark damage 24-7.
0: And that's exhausting, I bet.
1: Oh, God, yes, it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey, you've got, eight sec- you've got eight minutes and eight seconds of Bob, and then I'm just going to shut up.
1: Yeah, pretty much like if it like when we do our podcast, you'll notice like now I'm talking like this normally, but during the podcast, I become Bob Clark, damn it. And this is my podcast, you know, that whole thing.
0: <laughs> so that would be your tip for somebody else is to have that persona. And what's the big benefit of having a persona on your own podcast? Entertaining. Yeah, you've got to keep it fun, right? Yeah, I love that so much. Bob, this has been awesome so far. I want to keep it short because I've just realized that you gave me an awesome tip saying keep it under 10 minutes and we've probably been going over. Is there any last things you want to share with the audience?
1: Um, other than go to 808podcast.com. That's about it.
0: Dude, I think the podcast is amazing. So if you guys didn't catch that, that's 808podcast.com. Looks like Bob. Uh, Bob Clark, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate your time. Hey, not, not a problem, Jamie. Thank you for having me on no worries have a good one buddy you take care i will bye hey guys thanks so much for listening to the episode if you enjoyed bob clark dammit on this episode then please head to 808podcast.com and check out 808podcast in the podcast itunes app thingy jingy that you can download and check out bob's got a great podcast i think i'm going to be on for an episode soon so i would definitely suggest you guys check it out we'll be on with the next episode coming up in just a few days